Yesterday we started learning Shila Ma'alot. We said yesterday, just as a uh, very, very quick summary, Hazal say, We learned yesterday that one of the big tragedies in life is when you're a student and you don't even realize it. That you're constantly being taught and you're not aware of it. Once a person realizes that humans are born to be students, we're always learning. Once you know that you're learning, so now it becomes imperative that you choose your teachers. So, Horim means my teachers. Choose your teachers. Don't be taught by accident. And we explained yesterday the comparison of harim, of mountains, and horim. The right teachers are like mountains, not only because of their height, but because when you're next to them, you don't feel the mountain. You feel simplicity. The fake horim, the fake teachers, always look to show how little you are next to them. So... Horim, that look like harim and behave like that, that's already a good sign that you're in the right place. Anyone that makes you feel very small next to him, you could feel small next to big people. But if someone acts that way and makes you feel small next to him, that's already a good sign that uh, it's not the right teacher. I turn to my teachers, the great people that preceded me, whether it's my parents, grandparents, great-great-grandparents, whether it's rabbis, great women in our history. And I ask them, According to this, it would mean simply, where am I going to get help to Shirla Malot? If I'm looking to go up Malot, if I'm looking to raise my value, I turn to them and I ask them, from where will my help come from? Says the Midrash, listen, listen to this beautiful Midrash. It needs explanation though. Rabbi Shemuel bar Nachman Patah. Rabbi Shemuel. This is a midrash in Parashat Vayetzei Yaakov. When Yaakov Avinu was escaping, he was leaving his parents out of fear of Esav coming to kill him. He left. And he's on his way to Lavan. The Midrash over there says, Shila Malot, Esa Ainayel Eharim. Midrash says, Yaakov said this Pasuk. I don't know if the Midrash means literally he said this Pasuk. But perhaps it means that Yaakov 
experienced this pasuk. Whether he actually said the exact same words or not. But the point is that Yaakov Avinu, he lived this pasuk. How so? He says, Me'ayin yavo ezri Eliezer He says, look at the difference between me and my father, Yitzhak. The word ezri has a hint to some other time in the Torah where it says ezer. It says, it says Adam Rai Hashem made for him a wife who was going to be Ezer Kenegdo. Going to be someone who's going to help him. Me'ayin yavo Ezri. The Midrash is saying that David Amar is saying that Yaakov is saying, Me'ayin, where will I find my Ezri? Well, where will I find my wife? He's looking for a shidduch. And he's saying, how am I going to get one? Or get the right one? Says the Midrash, why, why is he so troubled? Why is he different than anybody else who looks for a wife? Says the Midrash, Eliezer, when I look to learn from my fathers, when a person is going to go into shidduchim, to find the bride, he needs to go get lessons from his father, his grandfather, how he made a shidduch. Remember, when you are a student, everything you go through in life, you have to ask people before you who can give you the authentic answer to your situation. Most situations in life are not new. And therefore, you need to learn from people before you. Somebody yesterday asked me a question. Doesn't matter what the question is, it's not important. He said, what should I do? I said, the truth is, and this is the truth. I said, I never heard an answer to your question. I never heard direction in your type of situation. So I really don't know the answer. Now obviously. I have an emotional connection. To whatever he asked me. It felt. Maybe right to do one thing over the other. But the truth is. I don't have clarity. About. Direction. That comes from the creator. Ultimately. Or that I saw in my father. I saw by some great rabbi. I saw by some great historical story. I didn't find the precedence for that question. So I don't know. I have to look a little harder. That's all. You got to work a little harder to get the answer. But I'm telling you that a person who lives whenever something in their life comes up, which is always, they don't ask themselves, what do I want to do? Or what do I feel like doing? Or what's everybody else doing? Or what am I excited about? You don't make decisions like that. You ask yourself, what is the right thing to do? And the way to get to the right thing is you have to go to the Horim. You got to go to the teachers that came before you. 
So comes Yaakov Avinu. He needs to find the Ezer Kenegdo, the Ezri. And he says, now I got to go and study what my father did. His father certainly is a good source. Yitzhak Avinu is a good source. Not always our father's great sources. But Yitzhak Avinu is a good source. So he says, let me learn from my father. What did he do? How did he find his bride? So he says, Eliezer. So Abraham Avinu, right, sent Eliezer. When he went to find Rivka, or who became Rivka, obviously he wasn't going to look for Rivka herself. What does it say over there? The Pasuk says, He took with him, He took ten camels, From the camels of his master, Yitzhak, Abraham. Vayelech, and he went. All the bounty of his master, he took with him. Meaning, he took with him jewelry, gifts, money. Vayakom, Vayelech, El Aram Naharaim, El Ir Nahar. And that's how Eliezer went. He went, first of all, he's an Eved. It's already a hashuv item. I'm the Eved of Abraham Avinu. I am the slave of Abraham Avinu. He sent me with all this looking for a bride for his son Yitzhak. What a, what a beautiful way to start a shiduch. Gorgeous. Who can, who can come better than that? You send a servant. You send... The most beautiful gift says Yaakov Avinu, that's the way my father did it. Vani Lo Nezemehad. I don't have one ring. Not one. Velotsamidehad. I have no bracelet. Forget camels, forget cold tube, all the bounty. I don't have something as a simple bracelet. Meaning, what am I going to do? Yaakov Avinu is on the run. Hazal tell us that when he, he was given something to go with him from his house, Yitzhak did give him. He didn't leave him empty. But Eliphaz, the son of Isav, he caught him on the way there, wanted to kill him. He told him, my father gave me instructions to kill you. He told him, listen, if you take all my money, Hazal tell us, Ani Hashuv Kemet, a person who has no money, is in some way like a myth. Because he's not able to give. Whenever you're not able to give, so it's a little bit like you're dead person who lives a life only for himself. So it's like a sort of death. So Eliphaz agreed to take the money and to save Yaakov. So Yaakov has nothing. That's what he says. When I 
when he passed the Jordan to go to Lavan, all he had was a stick. Nothing. So here my, my father, during his Shiduch, look at all that he had. And me, I'm nothing. How am I going to get married? He says, Hazar ve'amar. Then, Yaakov, he says, no. Ma'ana movad savri min beri. Meaning, should I lose hope from my creator? Hazve shalom. He says, God forbid. Let ana movad savri min beri. I will not lose hope in my creator. Ella, Aizri me'aim Adonai. My help doesn't come from the camels. My help doesn't come from the servants. My help doesn't come from the earrings, from the rings, from the bracelets. Azri, my wife, from Hashem. That's where I'm going to get it from. And Yaakov went along his way. And by the way, if you look in the Torah, he had the famous dream, Yaakov's ladder. And then Hashem spoke to him and told him, I am the, fa- I am the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Yitzhak. He gives him the most beautiful berachot. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to watch you. When did that happen? Right after this conversation that Yaakov had with himself. So let's review. Yaakov says, I got to learn from my parents how to land my wife. How do I do it? He says, listen, my father, he had a lot going for him. Me, I have nothing going for me. So I'm not getting a wife. Then he says, wait a second, Yaakov, what are you talking about? You think that's why your father got Rivka? Because of all those things? Hashem. Hashem is the one that did it for you. And he continued, and that's when Hashem appeared to him and says, Okay, I'm with you. I'm going to take care of you. Now this Midrash needs a little bit of a understanding. There's a few points that we could take out from this Midrash. First of all, before I give you the main point, I want to give you a small point, which is so important in daily life. The way Yitzhak did it brought Rivka. Yaakov is thinking, well, I got to do the same thing. If that's what my teachers did if that's how they showed the way I gotta follow I also have to come with that but I don't have it says okay so Hashem will help me so if Hashem will help him why did it have to do it if really we can ask on this if really the emet is that Hashem is the one that helped him so why did 
Abraham send Eliezer with so much. If anyway, if that's the conclusion of what took place, so why was it necessary to do what Abraham did? So I saw here, I hear people saying the right answer. The right answer is that in life, even when it's Ezri Me'im Hashem, even though Hashem is going to do it for you, but you must make Ishtadlut. You must make effort. If you don't make effort the way you're supposed to, then don't ask Hashem to help you. Help yourself first. Do what you can do. Abraham was able to do a lot. Well, then his effort had to be a lot. And then Hashem helped him. But when you can't do anything, this is a very important piece of information. Sometimes in life we feel we can't do it like that guy. But you have to know that if you can't do it, then Hashem will help you without Ishtadlut. Are you following? Don't think that your Ishtadlut is what brought the result. What brought the result is Hashem helping you. Because people can make Ishtadlut and Ishtadlut and more Ishtadlut and nothing happened. The Ishtadlut didn't actually bring Rivka. Hashem brought Rivka. He's saying, I shouldn't learn the wrong lesson from my father. It's possible. It's possible, you see from this Midrash, that you could look at your father and look at the way he did something or look at your rabbi and look at what he did and wrong and learn the wrong lesson. Yaakov is looking at Yitzhak and the way he did it. And what does he see? He sees camels and money and gold and that's the way you get married. So he's learning from his father and grandfather. But he almost learned the wrong lesson. And he corrected himself. He says, oh no. That's not what was happening there. You know how sometimes people say, the minhag of halab was like this? They have no idea what they're talking about. They don't know what was in halab. They don't know exactly the story. Oh, Rabbi Kassin did it this way. Y you have to know the full story from beginning to end. Understand it really well. And then you could learn from what your father did. You can't just take one thing and just say, oh, well, that's what he did. Wait, 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 wait. why did he do that? How did he do it? Did he have follow-up when he did it that way? To whom was he talking to? There's so many details in a story that it's very possible to look 
at a story of a great person and not go through all the details and learn everything wrong. When you learn from great people, you must make an effort to learn from beginning to end. You can't just learn and say, well, they did it this way, so that's how I do it. One second. You're not living in Halal. You're living in America. So you have to take everything that they did and learn how that may apply to you. Because maybe today you can't do it like them. Maybe you have to do it differently. Maybe the situation was different then, and that's why they did it that way. But for you, you got to do the same thing, but a different way. When you study actions of great people before you, you must take everything into account so you could learn a true, authentic message. Because if you take a story apart and you focus on it, and then you quote your grandpa, imagine Yaakov is quoting Abraham Avinu. That the only way to get married, you got to have money. You got to have camels. You got to have jewelry. That's the way. Yaakov would sit down with his family and tell them, listen, this is what we learned from my father and my grandpa. You could only get married if you have money. How do I know? That's the way he did it. That's the way my family does it. We first make a lot of money. And until then, we don't even look for a wife. That's your only hope. That's a real lesson from a great story of a great person. You know how many times we do the same thing in different ways? We say, oh, look what that rabbi did. That rabbi did. Boy, do you know the whole story of that rabbi? Do you know what else he was doing on the side? Oh, you missed that point. Oh, this is what my great-grandpa did. But do you know what was going on at that time that he did that? You cannot quote stories from great people and learn from them until you get the entire scope of the story. So critical is this. Whenever you see someone quoting a story of a great person, you must know everything from cover to cover about that story. Otherwise, you may be misleading yourself and others. I have so many examples, but I'm not thinking one in my head of where we constantly, we constantly do that. Well, that's an, yeah, that's, a, that's an obvious one, right? I, that, that's good. That's, a, that's an obvious one, right? He says, you see, you see a rabbi driving on Shabbat. I mean, it's, it's a silly mistake, but he's right. Just to bring out the point, you see a rabbi driving on Shabbat. He said, look, I know, rabbi driving on Shabbat. Wait, but you don't know the whole story. Why was he driving on Shabbat? Where was he going? He was driving someone who was sick. Maybe he wasn't feeling well. So until you get the whole story, you can't learn from it. But sometimes you'll see people say, you know, Rabbi Kassin, Allah Shalom, told the guy to work on Shabbat, but, but, don't write. He told them, go to work. Go to work on Shabbat. Open your store. But don't write. At least don't write. 
It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story, right? That's a beautiful story where a person who was not Shomer Shabbat at all was not possible at that moment to change him completely. So he says, you know what? Make an effort. Do something. One less. The rabbi surely was thinking that it's a matter of time before he stops writing and then stop and then Hashem will help him. If he sees he's making an effort, he'll help him. But a person could read that story and say, look, as long as you don't write, the, the rabbi said, go to work on Shabbat. Just don't write. You could learn things like that. Let's say a rabbi saw someone on a bike on Shabbat and told him, Shabbat Shalom, Hazak Baruch, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you that you're riding a bike. All of a sudden, you'll quote the rabbi. Oh, you see, the rabbi said, Hazak Baruch, for riding bikes. He didn't tell him just, it's okay. He told him, Hazak Baruch. It's a mitzvah. Oh wait, but do you know the whole story? Maybe, do you know that that guy, two weeks before, was driving a car? So when he saw him riding a bike, he told him, Hazak Baruch, beautiful. I'm very proud of you. So now you're going to learn from that? That the rabbi is being quoted as, he told the guy, you should do this. It's a beautiful thing to do. You can't be small-minded when you learn stories. And very often, the small-mindedness comes on purpose. It's a, it's a self-serving small-mindedness. When you, yeah, you see a story, you like what it looks like, and you just take it. Now you have a source. They quote people, oh, in Halab, a hundred years ago, they didn't have, they had, they didn't have Halab Yisrael. They drank the milk of a goy. It's an open halakha, Can't drink the milk that was produced by a goy. It's an open halakha. And over there, they didn't have halal Israel. There was no stamp halal Israel on any of the milk in, in halal. Now, they don't know that in halal, the guy comes to your house and they milk the, 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 the thing and he gives you the milk on the spot. Okay, so they don't have to stamp Allah of Israel because they do it themselves. They're watching the guy do it. So now you're quoting people. They, they have so many customs are quoted that are so irresponsible. Not that they're wrong, but there was more to the story. People will tell you, people will tell you, our way is... People are not supposed to learn. They're only allowed to work. Not allowed to learn all day long. The minhag. The minhag of our fathers. You know how silly that sounds? You think our religion started last week? We've been around for 3,300 years. You think last week we started to learn about how we're supposed to live life? There were Batemi Drashot in Babel. We went to Galut. Babel was full of Batemi Midrashot, of people learning. People had 
in, in Halab, there were, there were people, there were yeshivot. It doesn't mean everyone has to learn all day. Of course not. But for sure, for sure, there, were, there was a need for Talmidei Hachamim. How would we have Talmidei Hachamim? Tell me. We have 100,000 people in this city, just our community, 80,000 people. You know how many Talmidei Hachamim you need to teach your children? Just as you teach. If for, every, for every 10 people, you need one. Right? By, by, by Yitro, he told him, for every 10, one. Let's use that same measurement, even though it's not a fair comparison. I told you once that if they needed for every 10 people, one, we need for every one, 10 people. Okay? You're talking about the desert. What was in the desert? What were, what were, what were the billboards there in the desert? What, what, what were the... You know, what were the video games they were playing in the desert? Where were their phones in the desert? What, what, what were they doing? In the, they had nothing to do there. They needed still. For every 10, they one guy. But let's take that as a rule for us too. By the way, it's another example. I learned from Yitro that for every 10 is one. But you get the whole story. But let's just take that story literal for us too. That means if you have 70,000 people, he's 7,000 tell me they hachamim that know how to open a sefer and can teach you and your children. I'm not going to comment. But it's nowhere near that. We have nowhere near 7,000. We're lucky if we have 700. We're lucky if we have 700. You need 7,000 Talmidei Hachamim just to run a community. Where are those people coming from if you don't find people dedicated to learn? How is it going to happen if they have to go and work a full day? What are they learning exactly? You're right. In older days, you saw great people. They were able to learn and they would work a little bit, make a living. But it's not the same type of system like today. Today you work for an hour or two. What is that going to get you? The expenses are so tremendous. If you really want to work, you got to invest. You got to travel. You got to work for eight, ten hours at least a day in order to be able to be able to compete. So you want? How do you have the ability to produce talmidei hachamim, rabbis and teachers, if you expect everyone to go to work? Of course, again, normal people should go to work, and they should learn when they have time. But you definitely need people to learn. There's no question about that. So you'll quote all kinds of stories. Oh, that rabbi told the guy, go to work. When he told him, should I learn? Should I tell him, go to work. So the rabbi said, you should go to work. Come on. It's small-minded. Do you know what the story was? Do you understand the background behind the story? Maybe the guy wasn't really learning even when he was learning. Maybe he wasn't capable. Maybe he was suffering. You don't know the story. You have people. You'll forgive me for this. But you have people today walking around. I've heard it with my own ears. Well, I know, not made up. They will quote, and it's a, it's a shame. It's really a shame. It's such a busha. They quote Rabbi Kassin, Allah Shalom, Rabbi Yaakov Katzin, that he was a proponent of mixed dancing. That he wanted people to have mixed dancing in their weddings. Rabbi Kassin, the Mekubal, 
who wrote, if you, you should see his books, what he wrote about Senyut. And these are simple laws in Shulchan Aruch. The laws of Negiav touching is something in open halakhat. Not You don't need to write castle. But to, to take a great person like that, a giant person, and to say that he wanted it. This is what he thought was the right thing to do. To make sure you have it. And they quote him. How horrible is that? Now, of course, was the rabbi smart? He knew how to deal with the people in the way he could deal with them. Of course. And you have to be a hacham to deal with each person according to their ways. You don't look down at people. You take them slowly, slowly, step by step. But to go ahead and use him as the story. Look, it's, it's not nice for him. Forget that it's wrong for you. It's not nice to take such a great person and to lower him. That's such a simple halakha in Shohan Aruch. It's a simple halakha. Mixed dancing is not a, something that we thought about in the last 20 years. It's a halakha in Shohan Aruch. That a person needs to be separate from people who he's not allowed to be around. He's not, people he's not allowed to marry. You have to have certain rules. There are certain boundaries. These are well-known halachot. These are examples. Gentlemen, there are many more examples. And again, I don't mean to say that the people who do this are evil or bad. They're just misinformed. And by the way, as a help for them, Yaakov Avinu almost fell in that trap. Yaakov Avinu almost fell in the trap of, let me see what my grandpa did. Oh, that's the way to do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I have to wait to do it like him. Until he caught himself in one second. There's a bigger picture here. He did it that way because he was able to. But you are not able to. So Hashem is going to help you. Ultimately, Ezri Ma'im Hashem. Even by him it was Ezri Ma'im Hashem. But he needed to do his Ishtadlut because he was capable of doing Ishtadlut. If you can't do Ishtadlut, then you don't have to do it that way. That's learning from a story, but learning from the full story, not just taking apart from the story. Yaakov Avinu almost made the same mistake. And he corrected himself. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not making that mistake. That's not where it's at. Not the earrings. That's not what my father taught me. My grandpa told me it's not about that. There's something much deeper here. He taught me, you make hishtadlut. That's the right lesson. Imagine the wrong lesson was, in order to get married, you got to have wealth. The right lesson really is that if, even though Hashem is going to help you, you still have to make hishtadlut. That, that's a whole different lesson. From the same story. When you learn from the Morim. When you learn. When you learn from great people. Which is the right way. But make sure you got it all right. Make sure you read the story right. And you understand everything around it. And then you take from it the right message. And don't misuse it for something that may be opposite of what it was intended for. Have a wonderful day.